Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune into the trade addicts podcast thank you and enjoy your podcast Right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the Superflex Super Show. I am James the Brain, joined once again by the good doctor, Ethan Turner. Ethan, say hello to all the beautiful people. Again, not the ugly ones, though. As a exclusively beautiful person, I've never been called ugly once. Um, I just want everyone to know that I love you all the same. Special shout out to Stefan from Germany, who is buying my rookie digest and said that he heard it on the show wow very cool look at that that's a beautiful person i don't even have to see him i know he's a beautiful person because i judge beauty from within ethan and from within is where we're gonna start so we're, we're doing a mix and match Ethan, we're just gonna talk about whatever we feel like talking about it doesn't even have to be football related man i could be talking about uh, the toe fungus that I've got kind of growing on my foot here, and maybe you can help diagnose it. I'm not but that kind of doctor. Maybe, yeah, maybe we'll do that off air, you know, because I'm going to run about Nobody cares no, about your no. toe fungus, James. Right, right. But, but I mean, you're going to have to listen anyways. But uh, we'll wait till we go off the air. Anyways, let's let's start with some combine talk. So, Ethan, you, John, and I, we all, we, we had some combine talk last week where we were talking about the combine <clears throat> kind of while it was happening. And we got to see... The quarterbacks, the receivers, and the tight ends, for the most part, run their drills, and we got their 40 times, and we got some of their three cones and some of their shuttles at the time. But now it's final. Now now we've seen all that, and we get to reflect on the running backs. What is your big takeaway? What do you think? Who stood out? Who who hurt themselves? Uh, what, what were the big takeaways that we should be taking away from this combine here? I think there's a few. Um, I definitely feel like this is a pretty – athletic class um i think that my the biggest thing probably that i took away from this this combine specifically is that i don't feel like the switch to prime time helped really anyone in terms of testing i felt like we got uh i haven't seen the the exact numbers yet but from what i've seen online it seems like pretty much the whole class as a whole performed poorly in some of the agility drills and these guys were running agility drills at you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. So I'm not surprised that it wasn't a successful, you know, compared to the previous classes. This class just kind of was at a disadvantage. We also saw a lot of people choose not to test. I think because there was so much disorganization about what they were expected to do this year, um, the combine really tried to, they really tried to make the combine kind of an event um, like the NFL tends to try to do they wanted to monetize it as best as possible and i think that that caused a lot of confusion with players and with with basically just everyone that was involved that was not the nfl themselves and so um we saw some agility scores that i i think pretty much just you just throw out all of the three cone the short shuttles they were all just 
pretty below average for for pretty much every position. Um, what you can't throw out is, is some of the big winners. Obviously, Denzel Mims is the ones everyone's going to be talking about. Um, he has absolutely destroyed pretty much every part of this offseason uh, pre-draft process. He killed it at the Senior Bowl. Now he's turned around, killed it in pretty much all the drills. Nothing was stopping him. Didn't matter what time of day. Uh, Denzel Mims was was really set himself apart in terms of that, just an a, incredible athlete um you know 43840 is pretty pretty impressive and of course his jumps were very good his three cone time time was actually ridiculous I think he made like a 666 which is that's that's real good so um especially with a guy with his height and size you know this is he, he put together a pretty nice combine he moved from a guy that was probably mid to late second round rookie draft pick um he's definitely going either late first or, or right at the beginning of the second round um so that's that's important to know when you see guys like that another guy that really helped himself i thought it was justin jefferson um i really liked his tape coming out of lsu i think there was a lot of questions regarding did joe burrow make these wide receivers did the wide receivers make joe burrow i think it was both i mean i think we're we're seeing now and obviously we don't get to see jamar chase uh, the other wide receiver because he's not eligible yet but justin jefferson i mean he, he caught everything i mean he was he really put together a solid combine and he ran a lot faster than people were expecting um, you know, a, a very good 40 yard dash time, um, solid, solid burst scores with the jumps as well. So definitely helped his cause. Um, as far as other winners, I mean, Jonathan Taylor, I mean, what are you going to say about Jonathan Taylor? It's amazing to me how I feel like you and I were, all, were in lockstep all, all of this pre-draft process up to this combine that just said like, everyone is just forgetting that Jonathan Taylor is like a size, size speed freak. Like, why are we talking about his carries? The guy's going to run you know, what I thought was a sub four, four, sub four, four, five is what I expected him to run. And he, he, he even eclipsed what I thought he was going to run. I mean, he runs a four, three, nine, he's about 220 pounds. That is, that is elite, elite speed. Um, not concerned about him in the, at the next level, not concerned about his carries in college. Uh, the reason they gave him all his carries because he's a freak. Um, when you got a freak like that, I expect, I expect you to get quite a few carries. So, um, as far as losers, uh, you know, Zach Moss disappointed me quite a bit. Um, I felt like he ran a bad 40 his first time, and then it comes out, and he said, well, well he tweaked his hamstring. And, and when I'm – I will put in hamstring issues at the combine into my injury profiles just because they are reported injuries – but you almost have to put an asterisk by all of them because I think it's becoming a very common, oh, you know, if, if you don't run a good time, pull up with a hammy at the end because at least then you can you can say, oh, well, he pulled his hammy midway through and he kept running. And so I worry that this could be the case with Moss. Um, I don't think that he – his vertical was pretty bad. Um, you know, I think he was uh, seventh lowest vertical for the running backs. Um, fourth slowest 20 yard shuttle. So he just didn't have a good combine. Um, and that's going to drop him honestly, because that was one of my questions for him coming into the league. I didn't know if he would have that elite athleticism. He looked a little slow to me on tape. Um, and tape to tape is 
deceiving when it comes to speed, I think, because Zach Moss was not playing against uh, elite competition at Utah every week. So, yeah, he, he probably is a better athlete than most other college football players, but is he a better athlete compared to the NFL? Um, he's really going to need a good pro day to kind of to quell some of these uh, concerns that I have with his ability to play. Um, other guys who I felt like, you know, didn't really show out, name a tight end <laughs> outside of Albert yeah, O yeah. Um, who ran a ridiculous 40 and then basically just called it, called it for his day uh, the tight end class. They, they weren't good. They were bad. The 40 times were all really bad for the most part. Um, Steven Sullivan's kind of a pterodactyl freak. He's got crazy long arms. He's a very weird looking human being. He's, arms are super long his hands are super big uh he ran a decent 40 but outside of him really all of the tight ends that i thought were going to at least look like pretty good athletes none of them really showed out this is not a good year for tight end i don't think that i would spend i think it'd probably be unless you're going with the upside of the athleticism of um of albert o and maybe commit in the third round outside of that, I'm probably staying away from this tight end class until the absolute last round of my rookie drafts. Uh, they just didn't, they didn't really show out and I wasn't super into any of them before the draft. And so um, I, I we're not fantasy relevant, but this o- offensive tackle class is a full of freaks. And so uh, if your team drafts, one of them, do not be sad. Look at whoever is running behind these guys and try to go get that guy because there are problems. There are about four legit, legit offensive tackles, and that is something the NFL sorely needs right now because there's just not that many out there, and the fact that this class has that many guys that could be legitimate left tackles in the league is exciting for everyone else on the offense, even if it doesn't necessarily translate directly to fantasy points. Yeah, that's something that we often don't look at, and we should because offensive line is a key component for running backs and for quarterbacks as well and it really helps with wide receivers too so um you know that's that's kind of something that uh, that that we're at here um luckily for us we have brian Har who's who's joining us uh brian uh you have not missed a whole lot bud we are talking about the scouting combine uh welcome in uh we just kind of started uh, talking about the combine hits and misses ethan went over some of his i'm gonna go over some of mine and then brian we'll get your thoughts on it too afterwards so some of the guys that you didn't mention ethan that i thought uh really impressed at the combine aj Dillon is one of them oh gosh yeah 247 <laughs> pounds yeah runs a four five three forty. um he also posted a 41 inch vertical jump and 131 inch broad jump these results, uh, when you look at what he did, it's really similar to guys like Leonard Fournette, um, Derrick Henry, Steven Jackson, even back in the day. So when you look at what he did at the combine, he really helped himself out. Coming in at that weight and being able to run and uh, and you know do as much as he did as well as he did really helped himself out. I think that guy uh, is going to be moving up draft NFL draft boards for sure. Um, this is a guy who, you know, showed well on tape too. He has, he has good production. Um, so the production profile is there as well. Uh, so when you look at what he ran, uh, his, his, um, his weight adjusted, uh, speed score is going to be very nice up there with Jonathan Taylor's if I, if I, uh, remember correctly. So another guy who I was high on throughout this, uh, this process, and I was really happy to see post some, some good numbers is, uh, Devin Duvernay and, and, and look, I, Duvernay 
he, he comes in at 5'10", 200 pounds, so he's not he's not a big guy. So he's got to run pretty well, and he runs a 4'3", which is nice. He has a 35.5-inch vertical jump, 123-inch broad jump. Uh, the three-cone at 7.13 is very respectable, and a 20-yard shuttle of 4.2. He really just showed well. I mean, everything is, is there. It matches up with what you want to see. His production wasn't great at Texas. Um, I mean, they're... There were times, I mean, I mean, this last year, he ended up uh, putting up some decent numbers, but um, I, I think this is a guy who projects well in the slot. Um, he showed really well uh, on, on, on that he can he can athletically hold up in that position. And so I think he's a guy that we got to mention, too. Uh, my third guy that I want to mention as far as positive results is Chase Claypool. I mean, Chase Claypool. He worked out with the wide receivers. A lot of people wanted him to work out with the tight ends, and it doesn't matter where he works out because he was a physical freak. Guy comes in at 6'4", 238 pounds, right? Runs a 4'4", 240, puts up 19 reps on the bench, a 40-and-a-half-inch vertical and 126-inch broad jump. I mean, the numbers that he posted for, for his size are unbelievable. If this guy is a guy that they're going to move to tight end, this is a guy who who profiles very similarly to a guy like Evan Ingram. So um, that's something to keep your eye on, too. If this guy becomes a tight end, this tight end class, he, he, he probably is the, the tight end one, to be honest with you. I mean, he, he kind of seems like he is uh, he, he would project there because it's a weak tight end class and uh, and the way that uh, that he performed. Also, uh, one last guy I'm going to mention, I'm not going to mention his numbers, but a guy who I think really helped himself was Justin Jefferson. Um, ran a whole lot better than we thought he was going to run, um, and I think that really helped him. Um, as far as guys who hurt themselves and who hurt their draft stock a little bit, um, there, there's a few that kind of come to mind for me, um, and, and most of them are at, uh, well, like you said, the tight end, tight end group really didn't help themselves out at all. Um, wide receivers, you know, I hate to knock Brian Edwards, but, you know, we really, man, him not being able to work out really did hurt. I mean, it, this was a guy that we really wanted to see. Um, you know, there were, there were a few few boxes that he could have checked here at the Combine that really would have helped his his draft stock, in my opinion. The same thing goes with T. Higgins, and, and T. Higgins, to me, is a little... Yeah, I can be a little harsher on because he had the opportunity to work out and he decided not to. Um, and that, that was something that uh, that I think, you know, could end up hurting him. There was a lot of wide receivers who shined, you know. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones is a guy we didn't talk about who really, really showed well, as well as all the other guys that we've talked about, like Denzel Mims that you brought up, Ethan. Um, a guy who disappointed for me, though, also was uh, LaVisca Chenault, uh, running a 4 5 eight. Uh, 40. I, I kind of expected a little bit better there um, with with the way he profiles as an explosive playmaker type thing, as a guy who. Can, whoa, 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 whoa! Uh, Hold it, John's. John's Hold not here. It. I thought I could get away with that. Hold and it. You're, you're still Hold. gonna make me do that. Hold. I warned you that we had to throw out Chenault's combine because he was playing hurt, and he was going to be running hurt. And he was going to put up a bad combine. I warned you well, last that, that week. You did. You did. That you this did was going to happen. And so is, when it happens, you true. can't be like, "Oh, well, I'm disappointed with it." Because well, Ethan here's, that's my whole. That's the whole reason I'm here. That is that is true. But here's what I am disappointed in: if you aren't healthy, then then don't don't run. You know, like I that I can yes. understand. Okay, I can I can deal with this. Kind, kind of a, yeah, this. kind of a Brian Edwards type thing where I'm disappointed. Well, he, he has a run, broken foot. Like that's but, a little bit different. There you go. 
there you go. And that's just it. You know, I understand why he didn't work out, even though it's a little disappointing. I'm not going to move him up or down my board. We couldn't. He had a broken foot. Well, there you go. There you go. And even though he didn't, he, he, you know, he didn't check the boxes I was hoping he would at the combine. Um, Obviously, it's for a good reason. And, you know, we don't know. He could still end up checking those boxes at his pro day. Um, Last name I'm going to mention is Tyler Johnson. Uh, I mean, that that whole whole situation kind of seems a little uh, a, a little. I mean, I there there were some off the field questions with him. Um, there was some, you know, some of that going around as far as his leadership goes. And a lot of people that uh, were in Minnesota said, no, that's not an issue. This guy is a good locker room leader. Um, you look at what he, the way he profiles. I mean, he, he profiles as a top tier wide receiver. He has good production numbers and everything. And we just can't seem to ever get him to kind of you know, to kind of, I mean, he was supposed to be at the senior bowl, wasn't there, um, was supposed to, to work out and just didn't. And, and so now I, it just, it, it's starting to, I'm starting to worry that, you know, what, why, what's going on here? You know, I mean, it's kind of a red flag a little bit to me as to why this, you know, why we can't get, um, can't get him to perform uh, when we kind of expect it so far in this off season. But um, that's, that's it for me, Brian. Uh, we're going to go to you. Tell me kind of what stood out for you at the combine. We the the one thing I will tell you, we haven't mentioned quarterbacks at all. And Justin Herbert was a guy who showed pretty well. So Brian, did you see any of Justin Herbert? And if so, did he stand out to you at all? Uh I did, and he did, yes. Um so full disclosure, I'm coming in here a little bit blind. I wasn't supposed to join the show tonight, uh, so I threw I threw these guys a curveball a little bit too. Um so I appreciate you letting me into the um airwaves james i would let you into my airwaves well anytime, I, I wasn't i wasn't worried about you ethan i knew you know i knew you would figure out a way to get me in there but but james i was a little bit concerned but i'm i'm very appreciative uh to be to be in here so um but no with with respect to the quarterbacks and i'm glad that you guys haven't touched on them yet because that's probably the area that i saw the most um and and yeah i mean one of the guys obviously is justin herbert um I think that a lot of people are under the assumption that uh, Tua is the guy for Miami. I think, you know, a lot of us saw the, you know, we saw the shoes. We've heard the the talk. Um, but then at the combine, you started hearing, I mean, first of all, you watched Herbert throw the football and, and move. And for a man his size to be able to move the way he does is, is outstanding. Um, and he looked really good. So, you know, and by all accounts, he interviewed very well as well. Um, and it seems like there's some legitimacy to maybe the idea that the Dolphins are actually, you know, as interested in Herbert as they are in in Tua. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens with that whole situation. Um, you know, I think the one thing that also has happened here is that obviously with Tua with the injury, he hasn't been able to showcase his skills since mid October or, or early November or whenever the injury happened, guys like Herbert and Jordan love is another guy. Um, you know, and, and of course burrow, I mean, burrow ran the whole, the whole thing, but these guys that perform, you know, Herbert also had a chance to, to, uh, be at the senior bowl. Right. So, he he's he's kind of put some question marks i think probably to rest and it seems like he's passing the the gamut of tests that these 
that these organizations are putting him through. Um, it wouldn't surprise me at all for him to go very high in the first round. Um, and I think for me, you know, when we're looking at this in terms of Superflex Dynasty rookie drafts, I mean, he's creeping up too into the conversation of like, okay, does he go ahead of some of these outstanding skill position guys too, especially if you need a quarterback? And I think the answer to that is, is let's wait and see what happens at the draft and where he goes. <laughs> but, you know, I'm starting to believe more and more like, yeah, he, he might be worth that higher first in these, in these super flex drafts. So Brian, um, and you, then, set the, you set that up perfectly to not answer that question. Oh, well, well, like, well, let's see. Let's build this. We have to see what could happen. And let's wait and see what happens. <laughs> Come on. Give, just tell us, where, where do you think he could go? Like, absolutely. I'm looking at Indy at 13, needing a quarterback. I could definitely see a fourth. If three quarterbacks are gone, I could see a fourth quarterback going there. And I would not be surprised by that. Yeah, so I think four quarterbacks will go in 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 the top seventeen picks. Um, you know, I, I think it's I think it's almost a guarantee that you'll have three in the top ten unless something wacky happens. I mean, I think I think Burrow, Tua, and um, and Herbert will all go in the top ten, um, probably all by seven, with the Chargers being there at seven. Um, you know, and then, yeah, I think Indy, Indy is a real possibility for Jordan Love, you know, and he's a guy that I think he showed some things this this week, too, um, just in terms of his arm strength and some things there. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's exciting. I mean, obviously, Superflex, we're, we're concerned about the quarterback position and we focus on it there. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of liked what I saw out of the quarterbacks that that performed. I also liked what I heard about the medicals with Tua, and I think that's a big storyline here as well. Um, obviously, Ethan, uh, I'm sure, can speak to that a little bit more than I can um, just in understanding it. But um, by all accounts, it sounds like everything is going about as well as it can go with Tua's hip. And, you know, that that's encouraging as well, especially when we're looking at the longevity part of his career and you know when is he going to be able to get back on the field so so yeah the quarterbacks were kind of exciting as always and um i'm looking forward to see what happens in the draft i think it's going to be a fun draft here um to see where these four guys go yeah i think it really is and you know what's going to add to it for the quarterbacks especially is free agency you know because we're going to have free agency opening up here in a couple weeks and when it does, the interesting part about the free agency pool this year is there's a lot of aging veterans that seem to be available. Uh, we know Tom Brady's a free agent. We know Philip Rivers is a free agent. We expect a guy like Andy Dalton to be available via trade. Um, you know, there's there's some uh, some aging aging assets out there at the quarterback uh, position that could be had. Now, with that being said, somebody who signs Tom Brady or somebody who signs Philip Rivers. We can't even count them out of drafting a quarterback early because we don't know, you know, they, they may not have a long-term plan in place. So I think the interesting thing is is that while some teams may address their their quarterback need in free agency, we can't rule out the fact that they they still like one of these guys in the draft and and are planning on, on drafting one of these younger guys as well. So it could be very interesting to, uh, to, to determine where these guys are going to go and who's all interested in moving up for a quarterback, right? So... Uh, that's it's good stuff though, Brian. Um, 
So guys, we, we've kind of covered the combine, unless anybody else has anything else that they want to add. Um, but let, let, let's move on. So we a uh, couple things that, that kind of came out today, and we're recording uh, full disclosure on, on Tuesday night here on the 3rd, March 3rd. And uh, we had some news come out that it sounds like the Denver Broncos want to add a complimentary back to Phillip Lindsay. So what what do we make of this? Do, do we make that they're just not sold on Royce Freeman? Is that is that the takeaway here? Is the takeaway that they think that they need somebody to compliment Philip Lindsay because they don't think that he can be an every down back? Or, or, or what, what do we take away from it? And what are we expecting here, gentlemen? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, the, the takeaway is that they're not they're not loving the investment they made in Royce Freeman, um, you know, but at the same time, like another part of me thinks, I mean, you remember when they were so high on um, the guy out of Utah, I'm going to forget his name right now. Somebody help me out. The guy that was there before Freeman came in. Hmm. Nobody's helping me out. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to think. Guy out of Utah. Oh, it's not Ronnie Hillman. No, it wasn't Hillman. Oh man, this is awful. This is this awful. is terrible. I'm judging us right now. Well, this this okay. Well, anyways, they mind. they seem to like having a plethora of running backs that they can throw in there, um, and and use. So you know, and and look, the position is brutal too. And I think we've seen Devonta some, Booker. That's the name. There it is, for. Booker. Sorry. Yes, Booker was the guy I was looking for. Thank long you. For, long forgotten Devonta <laughs> Booker. Right, may, right. May, so, he, may he rest in peace. <laughs> so I mean, I think I, you know, I in one way I hate this because I love Philip Lindsay and I think that he's shown that he can be a really good producing fantasy running back here in the first two years in the NFL. And it worries me if they keep adding to the backfield. Another part of me, though, looks at his size and thinks, well, maybe this takes a little bit of the wear and tear off. Maybe it keeps him fresher later in season. Maybe, you know, I, I don't know. I it, it's it's frustrating if you are if you have him on dynasty rosters, I think it's frustrating because automatically the assumption when it comes to his value is, oh, well, there's going to be somebody else to cut into the workload. Regardless of how true that is or not, the assumption will be that that's going to happen, which is going to mean that Lindsay's value, when we're talking trade value or, you know, whatever, it's going to be diminished slightly at least. So I don't love it in that aspect. Um, uh, this is another one. We'll just have to wait and see what happens. I, you know, this time of year to ahead of the draft. I mean, these guys all talk out their ass. You know, they're, it's they're they're looking at their position in the in the draft and who they're sitting in front of and who they're sitting behind. And you know, there's so much smoke and so much, you know, positioning and maneuvering and trying to get people to think they're going to do one thing and you know, so that they can maybe get a trade or get some value or, you know, it's just, it's crazy this time of year. Um, we'll see what happens. I, I don't know. I mean, to me, they've got two capable backs. I think Freeman's a capable back. I don't know that he's a superstar, but he, it's not like he was awful last year. So, you know, I don't know. I, I just, I don't love it, but is what it is. 
Well, I can tell you who definitely shouldn't love it is anyone who has Royce Freeman and Royce Freeman himself, because here's the thing, regardless of if they added somebody, don't add somebody. They said, we're adding someone to Philip Lindsay. They didn't even mention Royce Freeman. And so to me, everyone's going to take this as a knock to Lindsay, but they're still including him in their plans. They're saying, you know, we were kind of looking at maybe adding somebody to help Lindsay out. Um, so that we can have kind of a d- dynamic one-two punch. And if you're a Royce Freeman owner, you're looking at that and going, wait a second, what, what about Royce Freeman? And if we're saying, what about Royce Freeman? That is a question that I think you have to ask yourself of, I think it's a bigger knock on Freeman that they even came out and said they didn't list him as an option. And so at least Lindsay is getting listed as yeah, we want to go ahead with Lindsay and somebody. This is a knock on Freeman. I don't think this is as big of a knock on Lindsay. Lindsay's size profiles to a committee running back, and I do think that he has produced well given his draft capital and the the fact that he really came out of nowhere. I think they like Freeman, or I think they like Lindsay, that is. But I have to wonder, is this a a sign of things to come for Royce Freeman. And if that's the case, I'm, I'm probably jumping off ship, but it's just amazing to me that Lindsay's the one that gets listed as, well, we want to, we want to have somebody come compliment him. And yet nobody talks about, well, they didn't even mention Royce Freeman. You know, that, that just, to me, it seems like Royce Freeman is the one that, that should be concerned, not Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay seems to still have a role. Yeah, I agree with you. And, Last year, one of the interesting stats was while and, and while Royce Freeman did get, I, I think he got 152 carries or 132 carries last year, which was up two carries from from his rookie year. Um, he started zero games this year. Uh, Royce Freeman did so. Uh, he he did increase his his uh, work as a passing down back, but uh, it, very interesting. So, all right, I'm gonna do this. We're gonna do rapid fire. I want uh, one word answers from you guys, okay? So, we'll start with you, Brian, and then we'll go to Ethan. Uh, first off, do you believe that Denver is really interested in bringing in another back, Brian? Sure. Ethan. Maybe. All right. Technically, that's a one-word answer, even though it's a BS answer. We'll give it to you. Okay. You said one um, word. You didn't say yes or no. Yeah, You need I know, to be more specific with your yes, rules of the game. Yes, I do. I do. I just didn't think anybody was going to backdoor their way into an answer. But all right. Brian, um, putting you on the spot. Do they draft a guy or do they bring in a guy in free agency? I think they're more likely to draft a guy. One word answer. I'm sorry, Brian. draft. Ethan, draft or free agent? Draft. Okay. Well, I, I tell you what. Personally, I think that the, the, the writing's on the wall here, and I think it's a free agent. And the reason why I say that is because there is one running back that is a free agent that fits perfectly as a compliment to Philip Lindsay in my eyes, 
And it's a guy who Vic Fangio has a ton of history with, and that's Jordan Howard. I think Jordan Howard makes so much sense for the Denver Broncos there. Um, he's a guy who can do a little bit of everything, but he can uh, strong between the tackles, um, a guy who can uh, churn out the tough yards, a guy who can catch the ball as well. Same thing with Philip Lindsay, but um, this is a guy who Vic Fangio, I think, feels comfortable with too. So this is a guy I'd keep my eye on if I'm the Denver Broncos because I think Vic Fangio is very comfortable with a guy like Jordan Howard. So um, one, one last thing here I'm going to bring up. Um, you know, as, as, a, as a new topic, and then after that we can talk about whatever you guys want, all right? But we had a big trade go down today, and Ethan and I briefly talked about it a little bit off the air, and so I wanted to, uh, to bring it on the air and get your guys' thoughts on it. A.J. Boye gets traded from the Jacksonville Jaguars to the Denver Broncos for a fourth-round pick. Look, I know that this might not be fantasy-relevant too much, but the Denver Broncos get a cornerback. They desperately need one if they have Chris Harris and Parks both walking. Um, but they bring in a cornerback, and the reason why it's significant is, oh yeah, this cornerback's going to be uh, guarding, you know, possibly Tyreek Hill twice a year, um, possibly Cortland Sutton. Well, he won't be, but he'll he'll be guarding Cortland Sutton in practice plenty. Um, but no, also Keenan Allen twice a year, and hey, if the Raiders draft a receiver, they bring in a big name free agent. That guy might be covering, uh, you know, AJ Boye might be asked to. To, to cover him twice a year, too. So it does have some fantasy relevance to it. What did you guys think of the trade? Uh, Ethan, uh, let's start with you. What did you think of this trade uh, from the uh, from the perspective of these teams? I don't, I don't quite know what Jacksonville is doing with this trade. Uh, Boye, I believe, still has two years left on his deal, which is, uh, while it's expensive, it's not uh, the worst the worst cornerback deal on the market right now. I think this is a pretty savvy move by the Broncos. Uh, you know, we, we've kind of debated a little bit in some of the circles that I'm in about was this, is this just uh, Elway just trying to keep his job making these, these kind of, you know, surprising moves, I guess. But this one, this one, I don't really have much of a question about. I think that fourth rounder is a pretty good price um, for a guy you got for, for basically two more years. Uh, I don't think Boye is a lockdown corner like a cornerback one, but maybe they go after a guy that is um, either in the draft or, or in free agency. I don't, I don't think there's a ton of cornerbacks on the market. I know Byron Jones could be one that they look at, but I think that fourth rounder, you're looking at maybe, maybe 50% of the guys in the fourth round produce anything for you. And I don't think that Boye is going to perform worse than that fourth rounder would. So I think that from that perspective, it's pretty good value. Um, and I think that it's it's one of those trades that you go, okay, that's not too bad. We'll take it. All right, Brian, what do you think about this trade? Yeah, so I have it on on good authority um, from our, our guy, Jay Mike, uh, that Bouye wasn't as good the last year and a half or so uh, as as he was previously. But here's what I'd say about the Broncos. I mean, a fourth round pick, it's like Ethan was saying. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, you're not getting, I mean, yeah, there are guys that come out of the fourth round that do great. That's fine. But it's not like, it, this isn't a second round pick, you know, or a first round pick. For a guy who has played in a, at a Pro Bowl caliber, this to me is like a, this is a New England Patriots move, right? Guy's coming up on the the last year and a half or last two years of his contract. You plug him in there because it's a place where you need some help. So he's an upgrade, even if he's not the guy that he was three years ago. 
he's still probably better than what you have. So you plug him in there. Then you let him walk in two years and you get a compensatory pick. I mean, that's what New England does constantly with, with these guys. And I, and it's, I think it's a good move. I mean, I, I would, I would have loved for my team to, you know, I mean, my team doesn't have any draft picks, but I mean, I would love for the Steelers to, to have done something like this a couple of years ago when they, you know, when they needed corner help. Um, so yeah, I like, I mean, I like the move from Denver's point of view. I don't think the price is so much that you can't, you know, if he does, if it doesn't work out, it, it doesn't work out. It costs you fourth round pick. You know, it's, it's not, that's it at the end of the day. I mean, they have the, the cap space to be able to do the deal and bring him, bring him in. Why not? Yeah, I think it's an interesting move. I, I definitely think Denver gets the better of this. Uh, I, I I will recognize that uh, that J Mike is absolutely right. I know the last year, um, I don't know about year and a half, but I know the last year that AJ Boye did not perform at a level that he's capable of performing at. Uh, I do think that he's a really good system fit here. The way Vic Fangio is going to use him, I think uh, Bouye is really really going to to fit in this system nicely. So I do like that. I I just wonder and. You know, I, I don't want to go into it too much because I have a feeling that uh, that John and Stompy are going to go into it when they record uh, this week as well because they're both Broncos fans, so I'm assuming that uh, we're going to get a podcast full of just this trade. Um, however, I will say that uh, I, I, I expect Denver to probably still go after another corner. I mean, they need one if they're going to let Harris and Parks walk. Um, so i i think bouye could be their their number two potentially if they go after one of the bigger names like slay or, or someone like that in free agency uh there there's a chance that uh, he could be their number two corner and then i like it a whole lot better uh if if that's something that denver decides that they're going to do all right guys so that's it that's all i had so what are we going to talk about guys here it is it's freestyle man it's freestyle What's on your mind? You guys got any trades? You guys got any drafts going on? Is there anything that uh, that you guys can think of fantasy-wise that, that we just got to talk about here? Well, I have a question. Oh, okay. All right. Um, let's, I, have let's a, do it. I have I have a couple questions. My first question is personal to, for me, information for me, and that is, do I have, like, when is this going out? Is this going out, like, tomorrow? Is this going out Thursday? Because I need some time if I bring this other question up to make sure that I do what I need to do, depending on what y'all say to this. Well, here's the thing. Here, and this is a unique thing. Everyone's going to get a, kind of a behind-the-scenes look into our our, uh, our podcast here right now. Because I, I'm going to let you know that John and Stompy have already recorded today. And traditionally, mm. we don't like dropping episodes on the same day. So what I'm thinking is they're probably going to edit their episode since it was done first first put that out tomorrow so i'm thinking we got till thursday maybe friday but probably thursday okay then i'm gonna go ahead and ask it all right and i'm gonna ask it in honor of the birthday boy today all right so james you're on record as having our our guy michael thomas as your wide receiver one i believe is that correct that is correct he was my wide receiver one going into the year last year last offseason as well Okay, so here's my question. So DeAndre Hopkins has been in a league for like, I don't know, seven years now, I believe. Um, Michael Thomas 
has been in the league, what is this, year four? This Yes, yes. Okay. They're both 27 years old. Are you at all concerned about now now look, let me preface this by saying I am not an ageist. If if you've heard me talk about quote unquote old guys, right? I am not an ageist. I believe that players, especially at the receiver position, can be very, very productive into their you know, thirties, early thirties. Um so now that that's out there, um do you are do you have any concerns about Michael Thomas and his age? And and not just his age, but his age and the fact that his quarterback now look, Teddy Bridgewater obviously came in there and had a five game stretch. They went undefeated. Michael Thomas didn't drop off hardly at all. It was fantastic. Um but this has to be it for Drew Brees, right? I mean, we we we've we've gotta this is it. Like this is the last season, in, in I I think. So if that's the case. He's losing his his all-pro quarterback. He'll be 28 entering next season. So this year, for this year, I don't have any concerns. He's going to be the Michael Thomas that we've gotten used to seeing this season. But this time next year, are we talking about Michael Thomas as a guy who, like, oh, we better, he, I mean, he's, he's 28 years old. We better start washing our hands. Or is he a guy that's going to extend beyond that, kind of like Julio Jones has done, in Atlanta. Yeah, I think Michael Thomas is a guy that can extend beyond that. I, I think he is uh, just the way his game is. I, I don't think he, he relies too much on speed to get open. And I think, you know, once you get older, you start slowing down a little bit. And, and I don't know that that's going to be a concern for Michael Thomas. I don't think that's the way he wins uh, at the catch point. I think his catch radius being what it is and him, you know, having the hands he does, uh, I can't see that getting worse over over time so i'm not too concerned about it the main thing for me and, and i think we talk about this a lot in dynasty is i, I like to play for in a, in a two to three year window it's really hard to predict outside of that right so in the next two to three years i have no doubts that michael thomas is going to be a wide receiver one for all two or three of those if he stays healthy i, I think that's a pretty safe safe floor for him and, and when you look at, at michael thomas okay so he's going into his fifth year so he's had four years in the league right his, his rookie year, check this out, 92 receptions, right? So every year that's gone up. It went from 92 to 104 to 125 to 149, right? Then we go to yardage, his yardage. It started out at 1,137 yards. Went up to 1245 the next year, 1405 the next year, 1725 last year. His touchdowns went from nine to five to nine to nine. Pretty consistent there too i mean just he's just so consistent his catch rate is so good and i just i the, my main thing is i i just don't think that any of the the way he wins the way he plays ball he i don't think that any of those things are going to get significantly worse with age um i think eventually we're going to see that drop off but i don't think it comes anytime soon i think 33 34 you may start seeing that decline but I, I would not buy him 
right now because of his age. I don't think that would be a reason I would. Um, obviously, the concerns, the long-term concerns about quarterback there um, could could be an issue. Uh, I, I trust in Sean Payton. I really do. I trust in in, uh, in him and that offensive structure, and I think he'll find a way to make it work uh, for the most part. So I, I think it depends on how you feel about that, too. I just feel that that system and Sean Payton will find a way to make that work uh, regardless, and, and I think we've seen that in brief stints with Teddy Bridgewater. So yeah, I, I'm I'm a little bit at ease with Michael Thomas, but that's a really good question because, you know, we we, we do worry sometimes about age, especially with a guy like uh, like Cooper Cup who came into the week. Um, you know, he was drafted, and I think he was like 24, or 25 when he when he actually came into the week. So I mean, that's that's a real concern. And so yeah, when you think about Michael Thomas and DeAndre Hopkins being you know the same age, it's definitely something that you know you kind of taken back by because you know. Hopkins has been around longer, so, uh, but yeah, it, it's something to monitor, but I, I don't think it would be something that would affect uh, his stock uh, for me in fantasy circles anytime soon. This is my problem with trading Michael Thomas right this second, is that I think in three years you can get the exact same deal, or pretty darn close to the same deal right before he turns 30. I think that he's going to he's going to hold his value the same. I don't I'm I'm one that likes to build around studs. I don't like to trade studs if I can avoid it. Um, now everyone has a price. So obviously I I've, I traded DeAndre Hopkins last year for a price. Um, but it was a very significant price and it involved multiple multiple prospects and draft picks. Um, and at the time, everyone said I lost the trade, and now if I were to put the same poll up, um, I would say that most people would say that it was a pretty even trade um, because of just the sheer amount of, of players involved and what those players have become into. That's part of the advantage of having an elite stud is you pretty much get to ask for whatever you want. So, for example, when I, when I sold... Uh, Hopkins and I'd say Hopkins and Thomas are kind of in the same boat. I would say that uh, while Hopkins has a little bit longer injury history, he has a better he has a better long term option at quarterback. Um, Tom Thomas has obviously just been elite since he basically walked into the league in terms of receptions. Things a little bit more questions at quarterback. They're pretty close to one A one B for me. Um, I traded. Hopkins in a league that I was completely rebuilding is pretty much the only piece I had to trade. Um, I got back Cortland Sutton, uh, Devin Singletary, Debo Samuel, a first and a second, all for DeAndre Hopkins. And so at the time, everyone was like looking at this trade like, well, that's a horrible trade. You you should never give up your best player. And it's like, well, actually, given the circumstances, I was three years from competing regardless. That guy was ended up winning our championship. So it was obviously a good trade for him. He made a little bit of money. I basically kickstarted a rebuild that was going to take me at least now a rebuild that should have taken me probably three years to do. I can now do in two because I have a ton of valuable young assets that I can then trade or continue using as the core to my team going forward. Um, depth is important when it comes to dynasty. I think that sometimes we get infatuated with having one or two just absolute studs and we forget what a value it is to have five or six guys that could all become studs for you. That's how you build a championship team when you don't already have one. Um, I always say if you're going to rebuild, you have to completely rebuild. And I would say that teams that have Michael Thomas, if you're going to trade him, you have to be in that situation where you're looking at 
four years, regardless of what he does, he's not going to get you a championship by himself. And you don't believe that you can draft effectively for four years. That being said, I still would prefer to build around a guy like Michael Thomas if I can. Um, if I'm even like middle of the pack and I have Michael Thomas, yeah, let me let me build in the draft and let me try to acquire pieces to build around him. And if in two years I'm still not getting it done, then I can trade Michael Thomas for exactly what I've got now. Um, I can say that it's a lot harder to it's a lot easier to give away or trade away a Michael Thomas than it is to trade for those guys. Because if you have them, you basically say, okay, I'm going to, I made a ridiculous offer to a guy for, for Hopkins to trade him. And I said, this is what it's going to take. You either make the trade or you don't. And obviously he did. If you have Thomas, that's the kind of deal that you have to go in with. You can't just say, Hey guys, Michael Thomas is there, you know, make me an offer. No, you have to go out and get the guys that you absolutely think are going to succeed. Um, and those are the only guys that you're going to give up Michael Thomas for. And so I, I think you have a lot of power if you're going to trade a Michael Thomas um, and just don't undersell yourself because in two or three years, you can probably still get that same deal um, for, for a guy that you, that you, or that you can still use those years instead of trading him right now. And I'm not worried about him aging. Uh, because he he basically has no injury history, so there's not really much. There's no weak points on him yet. So the fact that he has no weak points tell me that he's probably going to age really well. I mean, you could be looking at a guy that's 32, 33, and still very effective. Nice, yeah. And uh, one more thing for the uh, the the quarterback point there too, Brian is you know we got to remember sometimes the great wide receivers they don't need a, a great quarterback. DeAndre Hopkins was the Andre Hopkins before Deshaun Watson got there, right? So, uh, I, I think I think Michael Thomas is is very similar in my eyes, at least. Uh, I think he can compete no matter who's throwing him the ball. But, uh, but all right, guys, do we have anything else, or uh, are we ready to wrap this bad boy up? Brian, did you have a second question to that? No, my my first question was when was the episode getting released? In case I wanted oh, okay. to do anything based on the second question. Okay, all right, got you. All right, all right. So I expect an update, Brian, next week, or whenever we get you on next. We got to get an update on what that was uh, regarding and what ended up coming of that uh, of that question. All right. So, all right, guys, uh, we are done here. Uh, special thanks to Heart and Soul Radio for their song, uh, their use of the song "The Addiction." Special thanks to Dynasty Week Football uh, and the DLF family of podcasts, and also the entire DLF staff for their ongoing support. You can follow all of us and send questions and trade polls to the podcast on Twitter at SuperFlexShow. You can follow me at underscore James the Brain. You can follow Brian Har at Brian Har FF. You can follow Ethan at E. Turner. What is yours, Ethan? FF underscore e. PT. Turner FF underscore PT. You can follow him there. You can also follow John at SuperFlexDude and Stompy at FF Stompy. Um, you can tag us in any of your trade polls. Also, make sure to rate and review the podcast wherever you listen to this fine podcast. Always helps us improve our content and get better stuff to you, the listener, that is more relevant to what you're needing. So thank you again for tuning in. And as always, stay sexy and super flexy. Till the end,